What's up, New York? You're listening to the Empire State Conservative Network Podcast. Hey guys, this next segment is brought to you by the Blackhawk Group. Blackhawk Group offers an unparalleled customer support service combined with top-level classroom installations and equipment servicing. They have years' worth of experience in this field, experience that is unmatched by competitors anywhere. Learn more about Blackhawk Group at www.blackhawkgroupllc.net. Hey everybody, welcome to the Empire State Conservative Network podcast. This is Pete, and on today's show we're going to be discussing how Whole Foods' minimum wage raised to $15 an hour is causing them to slash workers' hours significantly. We're also going to be talking about how an FBI hate crime report statistics may be skewed, just maybe, and how finally, finally, the leftist media is beginning to acknowledge that there's actually a crisis at the border. Before we get into any of that, for those of you new to the show, welcome. The Empire State Conservative Network podcast is for New York-based conservatives who are sick and tired of how the state is being run by our local and state politicians. You're also tired of being ostracized by friends, family, and co-workers for thinking differently than they do on politics, on life in general. And really, it's just due to the fact that you're probably more educated than they are, and you're right, and they're wrong. Now, let's get into the meat and potatoes of today. So according to The Guardian, Whole Foods has raised its minimum wage to $15 an hour and then immediately began slashing worker hours. So The Guardian reported on Wednesday that employees at Whole Foods, which Amazon purchased back in 2017, have experienced a dramatic drop in schedule shifts since the raised wages excuse me, were introduced. Along with the new $15 minimum wage for entry-level positions, some higher-level Whole Foods employees have also enjoyed a $1 to $2 increase in hourly wages. It all sounds good until employees' schedules are taken into account. Since the wage increase in November, Whole Foods employees say they've experienced, quote, widespread cuts that have reduced schedule shifts across many stores, often negating wage gains for employees. The employees, speaking on condition of anonymity, quote, for fear of retaliation, revealed to the outlet that they've seen an average of about a 30% reduction in hours per week for part-timers and about a 10% reduction for full-timers. The employee, one of the employees, quote, explained that once the $15 minimum wage was enacted, part-time employee hours at their store were cut from an average of 30 to 21 hours a week, and full-time employees saw average hours reduced from 37 and a half hours a week to 34 and a half hours per week. The worker provided schedules from the 1st of November of last year to the end of this past January, showing hours for workers in their department significantly decreased as the department's percentage of the entire store labor budget stayed relatively the same. The employee said the company expects workers to accomplish their goals faster so their hours can be cut to balance the cost of the wage increases. Makes sense. A new Employment Policies Institute survey of 197 working economists found that 74% oppose raising the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour, 84% think it would hurt youth employment, and 77% believe it would have a negative impact on the number of jobs available. 43% of the economists surveyed think the federal minimum wage should be eliminated altogether. This all makes sense. I wrote about this in a Medium post. If you want, just check out Pete Weintraub on Medium, and you'll be able to find that post. But the minimum wage laws across the country, and then, if you you don't recall, this was a newsworthy event. A lot of leftists were calling for Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, who owns one of the most valuable companies, if not the most valuable company in the world, to raise 
the minimum wage to $15 an hour, and they complied very quickly. But you know what happened? A lot of full-time workers who had stock options and things of that nature lost them. Because in order to justify the hourly wage increases, some of the other perks that came with the job that weren't directly seen in their week-to-week or bi-weekly or monthly, I don't know, however they were paid paychecks, were kind of taken out. So you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. And a lot of workers suffered, and you're seeing it, and this happens everywhere. In the piece I wrote about, I wrote about how in New York City, fast food and restaurant workers have seen hours cut across the board, and they're also firing employees there. They're only retaining full-time people, and they're capping their hours anyway. And the reason they're doing it is because of these federally mandated laws. Amazon was pressured into it that it wasn't federally mandated that they do this, but they decided to cave in to leftist pressure, and the employees, just as happens every time they institute a minimum wage hike at a company or it's mandated, you know, statewide or nationwide, there is a reduction in worker hours, often that coincides with a reduction in the labor force. And as the economists from the Policy Institute that conducted the survey pointed out, many believe, a vast majority believe, that the minimum wage has to be done away with altogether. If you believe in free market capitalism, then it's between an employee and an employer to work out the rate and the compensation that will adequately satisfy both parties. And unfortunately, if you're an employee, you are being paid at a discount to the business. What do I mean by that? I mean that the business values your position, your skills, your role at X number of dollars, but they're paying you Y, which is less than X, because they want to maximize their profits. Every company in the world, whether it's a mom and pop shop in your local neighborhood, or it's a mega conglomerate like Amazon, they want to maximize profit and they may have different business models. Amazon and, and restaurants and fast food chains tend to be more of a uh, high qu- quantity uh, enterprise. They may charge lower prices, no, not all the time in the restaurant business, but you may charge lower prices so you get higher volume and you get more sales. And that may just be how it works. Whatever the case may be, regardless of the business model, paying employees is costly. Depending on the states in which you do business, sometimes if you have an employee working for you full-time, you have to provide them health insurance and other perks that in other states, and as it should be, the company should offer you under its own volition if it has the funds. If it's being hamstrung and forced to pay full-time workers all that plus uh, plus uh, health insurance and, and other perks, then they're going to drastically reduce their labor force, at the very least reduce the number of hours that employees work so that they don't have to provide those perks. This is not uncommon when a minimum wage hike occurs. So again, the minimum wage is a stupid leftist concept. On the surface, it sounds like a good idea. But for someone mopping the floors or who's stocking shelves or taking inventory off of shelves in an Amazon warehouse, placing them in a box and shipping it off to the person who placed the order doesn't take a ton of brain power or a ton of skill. Just about anybody who's physically capable can perform that job. It's not the same as building out Amazon's infrastructure online and making it as consumer-friendly as possible, creating filters, making it really quick and easy to find what you're looking for and to get it, and then with prime shipping, you get it in two days or less, depending on where the item is in relation to where you are. So, all in all, 
just terrible policy that is playing out on a grand skip stage with Amazon and leftists, bravo. Your pressure has screwed over many Amazon employees from the top on down. Now, let's get into an FBI hate crime report that was released on Wednesday, and it revealed that hate crimes are on the rise for the third year in a row. I found a couple of things interesting about this. I'm going to read you some of the statistics and then what I found, but I'm going to preface this by saying, A, I'm not saying that hate crimes aren't on the rise. I don't know for sure. I haven't been across all 7,175 of them, and I can't possibly dissect all of them and discern which ones were real and which ones were faked. Um, in addition, I just found it kind of fishy that since President Trump took office, that went up. Leftists are going to shoot to the fact that, yes, you see, he's a racist, he's a bigot, he's a xenophobe, he's a homophobe. Of course these crimes are on the rise because he's in office and he's pushing across all this hatefulness. When in actuality, that's really not the case. Again, when it comes to anti-Semitic stuff, there's a lot of stuff like that going on in and around New York City. A lot of temples being vandalized, a lot of uh, temple members being threatened. So the Pittsburgh shooting, obviously, there's always been, you know, something, but, you know, depending on the state between African-Americans and uh, some of the other population, and that's just not great places, but that's not necessarily the case anymore. It's gotten better if you go to these places and you ask them. But at the same time, I, I really find it suspect that under Obama, if you look at the trend in the chart, it looks like it went down, down his last two years and went up. And then with Trump, it's like skyrocketed. I actually have a theory on this. I'm going to get into a second. But first, let's break down the basic statistics in this annual report. So it showed that there were 7,175 bias crimes, which targeted 8,493 victims based on their race and sexual orientation. This was from, excuse me, back in 2017. There had been 6,121 hate crimes reported in 2016, 5,850 such offenses in 2015, and 5,479 in 2014. The 17.2% spike follows increases of 4.6% and 6.7% in the previous two years. The hate crime totals were comprised of 59.6% acts against a victim based on race, 20.6% based on religion, and 15.8% for sexual orientation, the FBI said. Attorney General Matt Whitaker, who's the acting attorney general, said, and I quote, this report is a call to action, and we will need that to heed that call. Now, I actually looked at the report, and the report cited a number of incidents that were included in that total of 7,175. Um, there was assault, like physical assault. There was vandalism. There was murder. I mean, those were all relatively high up there. And there were dozens of other ones, too. Those are just some of the most common ones that we might associate with something like a hate crime. What stood out to me was that the number one thing on this list of all the offenses listed was intimidation. Intimidation reports last year stood at 2,283 of the 7,175, or about 32% of total incidents reported. Now, as defined by the FBI, so this is coming from the horse's mouth that conducted this investigation, intimidation is, and I quote, to unlawfully place another person in reasonable fear of bodily harm through the use of threatening words and or conduct, but without displaying a weapon 
or subjecting the victim to actual physical attack. Again, I want to preface this by saying that I'm not denying that racism, bigotry, and hatred don't exist in the country. I'm not saying that hate crimes aren't on the rise. I'm not saying that at all. Again, I have not analyzed all 7,000 plus cases, and I can't come to a conclusion based on that. This is my own speculation, but I found suspect, again, that intimidation, which as you just heard, is very loosely defined stood for 32% of the total incidents reported. And I first thought maybe this is a new phenomenon they're trying to throw in there to make it seem like things are worse than they are. That wasn't true. In 1968, intimidation, among all these other acts, was added to hate crime reporting statistics through the FBI and in this country. So that's nothing new, and that's fine. With that said, it's a very loose definition. And in this age of safe spaces, in this age where... People can feel intimidated just by MAGA hat. Just look at what happened with the Covington Catholic High School kids in D.C. during the March for Life rally. They're waiting in the Washington Mall for their bus. Nathan Phillips, uh, the fake Native American, well, he's a real Native American, but, you know, the fake Vietnam War vet goes up to him with a drum, bangs in his face, oh, yeah, 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 and the kid smirks at him. And this is caught on camera and on video. I mean, what do you want the kid to do? Again, if that was me, if that was Evan, I can tell you what both of us would have done. We would have punched the guy in his mouth. I don't care. Like, that, you don't do that to someone. Just because they're we you're wearing something, with, in that case, a hat, a MAGA hat, that sh it shouldn't trigger you like that. I hate that word. But it shouldn't trigger you like that in any way, shape, or form. And then the media took it out of context. They clipped the video to make it look like this kid was demon and these kids were demonizing this guy when in actuality it was the reverse and also behind this guy were the black israelites who were screaming racial epithets at the kids all they were doing was hanging out in the washington mall waiting for their bus so they could go home from the march for life rally to their homes in kentucky but these kids were doxxed meaning that their personal information was found online and they had to go into hiding um they're suing the washington post i love that and, and for defamation and a lot of these mainstream news networks made these kids in the school look bad they even went as far back as to go on the school's website to pictures taken in the early 2000s from a basketball game during a blackout night in which people wore all black and painted their faces and everything black not to pretend they were black but because that's what happens during a blackout game at a high school sporting competition in different parts of the country there's no racial connotation there whatsoever and yet these kids were demonized and you would think that maybe that's a hate crime uh, but it's not an intimidation which they were intimidated again they were doxxed their personal information their home address their phone numbers their personal information was put online to be found by radical activists who would travel to that location and harass these kids and their families they had to close the school down for the better part of the following week because of this and that's okay and yet at the same time there's 32 percent of total hate crimes reported are intimidation when the other side is intimidated just because you have different views than them? When people find out I'm conservative, and Evan and Justin can attest to this, when people on the left find out we're conservative, they lose it. Evan mentioned on his solo show this past Friday how somebody asked him when he walked into a copy room to get copies for his, one of his classes, how does it feel living in a dictatorship? Really, that was said to him. He's gotten into shouting matches, and he tries not to shout. But as you can see, he's a fiery guy, and eventually, you can only take so much before you gotta, you know, come back at someone. And whenever people find that out, they, they automatically, their opinion of you just drops. 
off a cliff. They lose all respect for you. They look at you like we look at people who are okay with late-term or even after-term abortions. They look at us like that. They think they're the moral superiors, but they're not. So it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people who were quote-unquote intimidated and filed a police report that was included in this FBI hate crime report were just intimidated because maybe they went to a rally that might have been pro-Trump or anti-something on the left. And while they may have been peaceful, they may have been chanting some stupid things, but while they may have been peaceful, they felt intimidated. And they went to the lengths of filing this police report. I wouldn't be surprised. And on top of that, too, do you really, can you really blame Trump? Again, his, his daughter's husband, one of his biggest proponents in his administration, is an Orthodox Jew. All right, his kids are being raised Jewish. So the claims that he's anti-Semitic, he's the next coming of Hitler, completely off base. He's employed people of all races throughout his life. This isn't to say that he hasn't ever said anything dumb. We all have, whether in jest or in reality. We've all made mistakes. That's not to say that he's racist. You can't possibly say that and you can't blame him for it. And people say he's racist because of the southern border, which I'm going to get to in a second because finally, Finally, the left is coming to the realization that he's not wrong. And even prior to the surge I'm going to talk about in a minute of people of illegal border crossings this past month, they had been on the up and up over the last year. So this is happening. And he's being called racist, anti-Hispanic, when in actuality, his clout in that community is going up. Because a lot of them realize that they've been locked in a welfare state. Same with the Blexit movement. A lot of people realize that they've, the minority status have been put in this welfare state. They've been disincentivized to get married, to do things the right way. You know, a lot of different institutions have found that if you want to avoid poverty in this country, there's two things you got to do. You have to get a high school degree and you have to have children after you get married. That's it. That is all. That's all you have to do to avoid being in poverty, for the most part. Obviously, there's exceptions, and I'm not saying that has to be all end-all. That helps, but they're incentivized in order to get a government check to have children out of wedlock. These are women, to be single mothers and to have kids out of wedlock. The more kids they have out of wedlock, the more they make every month. And then they also get a set amount in unemployment if they decide not to work. There are plenty of women. You can look this up on YouTube and you can Google. It's not even hard to find. I remember when I first started getting into politics and I found this stuff, I was repulsed and disgusted that people are busting their asses, they're barely getting by, they're having tons of money taken out of their paychecks for federal, state, and local taxes, and yet, after that, there are people who are raking it in scot-free for doing nothing, but having unprotected sex with people that they have no intention of marrying or raising a family with just so they can get an extra paycheck. It's appalling. So a lot of people are waking up to that, luckily, and they're getting out of that, and they're coming around. And that's one of the great things about the internet and about having alternative news sources. But at the same time, we lost something very dearly when President Obama was elected. Not just the first time around, but the second time around, when he served all eight years. And he was supposed to be the one to bring us all together. In fact, that was his message. But after the first four years, he went further and further and further in terms of pushing us apart talking about racism incessantly, even though it's less racist in this country today than when his parents, our parents, and our grandparents were growing up. 
it's gotten significantly better. Dr. Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King Day not too long ago, would be appalled with how intersectional it is and how the merit of someone's opinion or value is based on the color of their skin or their religion or their gender and not based on the content of their character like he wanted for his children that he wanted. It's a sham. So, again, am I saying that this report is skewed? Maybe. I just find it hard to believe that the vast majority of incidents reported here were intimidation, which is very loosely defined and accounts for 32% of total incidents. Just something to think about. This next segment is brought to you by Items for All Occasions. Items for All Occasions specializes in helping you sync up with what you need for your event's promotional needs. Whether it's announcements, cards, giveaways, invitations, tchotchkes, or video books, they have you covered. Learn more about Items for All Occasions at www.itemsforallocasions.com. Now, the last thing which I alluded to is that there is a crisis at the border after all, and finally they admit it. So, if you remember after the State of the Union, the New York Times wanted to fact-check President Trump's State of the Union. And when President Trump described illegal border crossings as a, quote, urgent national crisis, they said that this is false. And I'm reading from the horse's mouth, the New York Times, in that editorial about this. Illegal border crossings have been declining for two decades, they said. Customs and Border Protection arrested more than 50,000 people trying to illegally cross the southwestern border each month. Now, the New York Times, just the other day, reported finally, finally, they, they acknowledge it. The border is at a, quote, breaking point as more than 76,000 unauthorized migrants cross in a month. And I went into this a few weeks back and I did look at the statistics and it did show that more people over the last couple of years have been coming to the border. There was a decline, not saying there wasn't, so they're not entirely inaccurate about that, but it started to go back up prior to President Trump campaigning and taking office. So it was starting to go back up under Obama's watch. He pointed that out. This has been something that's been talked about adamantly since Ronald Reagan was in office. And unfortunately, president after president since then has done nothing about it. Finally, our president wants to do something about it with the border wall, making it stricter immigration policies. They don't want it, of course, because now that they're losing actual citizens in the black and Hispanic communities, because again, they're waking up. They want out of the welfare state. They don't want to be dependent on the government. They have to find new people. So it's okay. Get here. Legally or illegally, we don't care. But if you get here illegally, like New York State, now a sanctuary state, thank you, Governor Cuomo and the DREAM Act, then you get free health care, free education, and even a driver's license coming soon just for being here. You don't have to prove your citizenship to anybody. It's ridiculous. But this just proves that you cannot trust the mainstream media. And yes, it's good that a former newspaper like the New York Times finally came out and admitted it, but it's stuff like this that proves that the times of object- objective journalism, excuse me, are a thing of the past. Even a lot of the news sources I turn to, I mean, the Wall Street Journal is probably the closest thing to objective that I get, but they do have a slight conservative spin. <clears throat> USA Today is, a, is close to their center as well. They just get a little bit of a leftist spin who have been coming around lately. Then obviously, there are things that are like the Blaze Daily Wire, which do have conservative spins on things. And there are just as many, obviously, in the mainstream media, NBC, ABC, uh, CNN, that have a leftist spin, and some more so than others, but still, it's very easy to see where they fall on the spectrum and the bias that is included. It's getting harder and harder to sift through the facts. So I urge a lot of you, 
you know, whether you are very staunch and conservative, and look, conservatives are right about most issues a vast majority of the time. So don't think that your sources are always bad, but don't always trust them 100% because there is bias and sometimes implicit bias coming through from the sources you're getting your news. So do look at some of the leftist sources. See what the facts are. If you look at a source from the left and the source on the right, and you look at that both, and you read them both back to back, you'll get what the facts are, right? Those are usually numbers, locations, times, and places. And then you'll be able to figure out what the talking points are on each side. The left will say this, the right will say that, and then you have to decide which one falls more in line with your vision. And again, obviously, if you're watching this, you're most likely going to fall on the conservative side of the spectrum, and therefore, you're going to go with that side. But that said, you cannot just believe what they say, because they made it out to be that Trump is Hitler. And he hasn't done much more. He's done a lot less, actually, than Barack Obama did, who declared 13, you heard that right, 13 national emergencies when he took office. President Trump declared, was it, two? He had the, he had the um, certain countries um, in the Arab world were not allowed here for a little bit, the, the quote-unquote Muslim ban, and then there was this. That's it. Hmm. That's a pretty drastic difference in the number of national emergencies that have been declared by our past presidents. And yes, Obama had you know about six more years in office than Trump did. But that said, if you think about the number per year, Obama had at least two per year. If you just average it off, 13 in eight years. Well, a little less than that. I suck at math, as you can see. But the moral of the story is that you can't trust what they say. Because they're even starting to go back on their words when it comes to this quote-unquote border crisis. They used this word, breaking point at the border. Unauthorized migrants cross more than 76,000 unauthorized migrants cross in a month. Just think about it, guys. Anyway, if you like the episode, please subscribe where applicable on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube. Leave us a five-star review as well. It really helps as you've heard or listened to throughout the episode. We are looking to get sponsors. We have a couple. We need more. We are trying to cover our costs. If you found us, there's a very good chance that we paid to reach you. We are paying for advertising out of our own pockets. Myself, Justin, and Evan, it is not cheap. All we are looking to do is to uh, recoup costs, and getting sponsors is one of the ways to do that. So again, please share this with other fellow Empire State conservatives. And if you can, also, if there's someone on the left that you know who might be interested in this type of thing, who's not really thrilled with the socialist direction that they're going towards, send this to them. Maybe we can bring them to the light. Also, if you're interested in donating to us, again, we're not trying to get rich off of this. We're not really trying to monetize this. We're trying to recoup our ad costs. Then we're, all we ask for is $5 a month. Just go to EmpireStateConservNetwork.com forward slash donate. And you get a Don't Let Fear Take Your Freedom wristband, which you can see right here. You'll also get access to our mailbag. So every Friday, Evan and I do a show. If we're just doing a show together without a guest, we'll ask you what you want us to cover. If you get back to us through the email we're sending to just our donors, then we will cover the topics you want us to cover because you help us. We help you. I mentioned yesterday, I mentioned again, we're also working on a platform where for stories that are trending that week, we will post them up there. You'll get to, as a donor only, upvote or downvote those. Or if a story that you'd like us to cover is not in the list, there will be a query box below where you can type in, I would like you to cover XYZ. You send it off to us and we will promise that we will, that we will cover the stories both that we found and that you want us to cover that week. Because again, you help us, we help you. And then 
Lastly, if you can donate one time, just one time, $50 for the entire year. And again, you can do that at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com forward slash donate. Not only do you get the wristband, not only do you get the mailbag access, not only will you have the ability to upvote and downvote stories, but you will also get an Empire State Conservative Network hoodie. It will have our logo on the front, name a number on the back, sizes small to 5XL, so no matter how big or small you are, we'll have one for you. And it's just a way of saying thanks. If you were to go to our online store at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com forward slash store and get those two items plus shipping, you're looking at a $75 bill. So you're saving $25 for just donating to us one time, and it's done on an annual basis. You will not be charged again until next year. We're not going anywhere. We need to take back the state. We were complacent in 2018. We lost the state Senate, and as a result, you've seen the DREAM Act, the Reproductive Health Act, the SAFE Act Two, the Red Flag Law, all of that has passed in just the first few months of the year. It's disgraceful, and we need to put a stop to it. In 2020 is the first shot we got, so please do that. We'll also be speaking at the Whitestone Republican Club this coming Wednesday, March 13th. Myself, Justin, and Evan will be doing about a 15-minute speech on who we are while we're doing this and some other local and statewide issues that we wanted to touch on. So if you live in that area, you'd like to come down, please do so. Reach out to us if you want, and we will get you the information. We'll be posting about it later on and also lastly just so you know we do have groups that we're going to be having come out soon empire state conservatives group for every county in the state again we're going to look to launch us around may or june of this year but if this is something you'd be interested in and thinking about we're looking for chapter leaders justin's going to handle the one in his county in queens evan will handle the one in Nassau county for now i'm in suffolk county on long island so i'll be handling that one but there are 59 other counties, I believe, in the state, so there's plenty more where that came from. So if you're interested, please stay tuned for that. Whether you want to run the chapter, you just want to be a member, whatever the case may be, we will be sending that out to you, but that's something to watch for in the very near future. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Pete. Have a great rest of the night, everybody. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Hey, everyone. It's Evan from Empire State Conservative Network. Please check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Also, check us out on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on YouTube at Empire State Conservative Network, on Instagram at GetRedPilledNY, and on Twitter at Empire State Cons. Also, check out our store at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com store for all current and future merchandise to help melt the snowflakes in your life. And as always, don't let fear take your freedom.